1: as well as other injustices against marginalized communities.
0: Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story.
1: And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory.
0: You're here, now let's get queer. Not only that, all of the bullshit we learned on our own, like... Mm-hmm. Come on, motherfuckers. Give us that piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have a good, like, you want to be able to have something good for the publicity? Give out two, two honorary bachelors in queer history or queer theory. Either one. I, w- I think queer theory would be a very cool, yeah. like, dupl- degree to have. Yeah. And hang that shit on my wall. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be Can like, we... yes, I have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bachelor's. Queer theory. <laughs> we'll hey, queer whatever. Theory. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Are we recording? Enough? Yeah. Okay. All right. Great.
1: All right, I gotta pull up my shit here. This I have been so busy this week. I'm so looking like after this I'm not doing shit this week.
0: I'm not I'm, I'm trying not to do shit this weekend. Not I'm doing trying shit this to weekend. lay on my ass on the couch especially because it's rainy. like mm-hmm. I just want to sit at home and do nothing. That's what I want to do.
1: Yeah. That's what I, well, I mean that's that's the nice thing about the rain is that it really prohibits you from do, packing your weekend and I need a weekend. Where I'm not doing anything. Like, yeah, we're recording today, but that's also a time when we connect. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to the library later, which Ooh. I love, even though the library with kids can sometimes be hell because they're just
0: running around. And you're like, Shh, mm.
1: sh- I'm like, Shh, sh- sh. The last time we were in the library, Joshua ran away from me three times. Like literally was like, I'm running away. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> Do not gosh. play with me in the library because I'll let you run away. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: <laughs> the library. I... I love the library, but the thing is I overdo my do it. I'm like, I want these 10 books and I'm going to check them all out at one time. And then I get overwhelmed and then I don't read any of them because I'm oh, like, where do I get start? Overwhelmed. No,
1: because you don't, that's the, that's the beauty of the libraries. You can check out all these books and you can go home. I love the option. I love to be like, I'm not sure exactly what I want to read. So I'm going to check out all these. and I'm going to go home and I'm going to read two or three of these. And sometimes I read, I do read all of them. Usually I read a couple of them and that's mm-hmm. it. So. I love it. But I need to request some more because I've read every, uh, queer history book in in our library, and, which is a, because it's a small section. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just like, uh, I need, like, I need a request from some other libraries because yeah. I need some more information
0: anyways. I don't blame you. Um,
1: but yeah, are we, so what are we, um, are we launching in? Are we talking? Are we saying think, welcome back? What I are we doing? I think we
0: just, uh. I think we just go into it today. I'm feeling just going we on. go into it. And then I feel like as we go, we're going to pick up some conversation and it's just going okay. yeah, to snowball.
1: All right. Well, I'm excited about today's episode because last month, the month of May, was Asian American History Month or Asian American and Pacific Islander History Month. And um, we did not do any history in that month, which was just because it we had a lot going on. It was a busy
0: freaking month. There mm-hmm. was a lot going on.
1: Yeah, there was. And I was also gearing up especially for June because June because I'm an LGBTQ advocate. This is now my busiest month of the year. And even with COVID, with more and more things lifting, like I am packed this mm-hmm. month. So um, so it, I felt like this is a really great way to to kick off June because, you know, we're honoring May um, where we had Asian American History Month. And then we're kicking off Pride Month with talking about some good history.
0: I... There is something about June that my, I don't know, my soul just Mm -hmm. feels lighter. Even if I don't do really anything other than my normal, it's just like... I, it's like that meme where it's like, move, I'm gay. Yeah. It's like, I'm, you know, me in the <laughs> office, like it really is. It's just like, this is it, this is for me.
1: Yeah, this is, yeah, I am so excited. And I'm very excited because I'm gonna be in Chicago at the end of this month.
0: That's so exciting.
1: Chicago, I'm gonna be there during Pride Fest. They're not doing the parade this year, but they're still doing their festivals and a bunch mm-hmm. of the other shit that they're do- they usually put on.
0: I was supposed to take my sister out to Boys Town when she turned 21, but COVID was like oh. a thing. So mm. next year, next February, I'm going out, and we're getting a hotel in, in mm-hmm. somewhere around Boys Town. And I'm taking my sister out because I'm sure she's gone to like bars and stuff. But yeah. I know for a fact she's never experienced like a gay club. Yeah. Especially in Chicago. Like. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, i, I want to take her it. out, let her have fun. You know, she'll feel comfortable because it's not gonna be a bunch of creepy men hitting on her. Mm-hmm. She might get hit on by some lesbians, but that'll be a you new what, exp- that- well, maybe not a new experience for her. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's usually a little for for straight women i feel i have found that well i don't know that she identifies as straight i'm assuming Mm -hmm. um that gay clubs are very freeing yeah because they don't feel like like predatory men are like you know like constantly like trying to make a move or something
1: yeah i and if you're there in february you'll probably find a hotel that's pretty cheap exactly i did try to book a hotel in like the heart of Boys Town, and it was outrageously expensive at that time. Oh, oh, I'm of course sure. it was. I thought I would get away with it because I was like, "Oh, COVID, maybe mm-hmm. now, no, that wasn't gonna happen." So, um, I, but I'm not that far away, and you've got the bus system, and even walking, it's you know, it's not that easy. bad. Chicago's and so easy. It is so easy. It's on a grid, so it's great.
0: Makes sense. Not like Rhode Island where no. there's just <laughs> no sense of consistency. Nope. There's eight-way intersections that just come out of mm-hmm. nowhere and there's no rules and yeah. just, Rhode Island has the worst roads, I'm convinced.
1: No, Boston has the worst okay. roads.
0: Okay. I will say they're pretty equal. Uh. But Boston, <laughs> the only thing that makes it worse is every road's like a one-way. So yeah. if you make like one wrong turn, you're like 20 minutes out of your way now. Because <laughs> you're going all the way to down to try to, to turn around. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's a lot of one-ways in, in Providence too, but not like Boston mm-hmm. and oh my god. Anyways, but yeah. Um, I'm excited about that. So a couple things happening in Pride Month. Mm -hmm. And then of course we're going to be here for you in Pride Month.
0: Yep. Plus I'll be...
1: Mm -hmm. God, this coffee is not kicking in yet. I need to
0: like smack myself. Um, Pride Month, uh, June, I will be at Newport Pride working for my day job, but I'll still be there. It'll be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Passing out condoms or...
0: Uh, we're selling, um pride little pride kits they have like 50 dollars worth of uh product and like coupons and stuff inside we're selling them for nineteen ninety nine. then $10 of that is being donated to an LGBT organization oh that's cool yeah. and yeah, cool. um we're also doing like a spin like a one of those big wheels you spin it mm-hmm. and you get like a prize or like a discount or something and yeah we're doing raffles and just all kinds of fun stuff nice that's gonna be fun good mm-hmm. that's
1: good so i guess we'll get into it um we thought it was best to kick things off with a much anticipated episode on queer asian american history before we begin we do want to credit our main source for this episode and really one of the few sources available specifically on the subject breathing fire remembering asian pacific american activism in queer history by amy shiyoshi you can find this resource made freely available by visiting yourqueerstory.com and going to our posted script. So it's a PDF. It's uh, There is not a lot of writing specifically about queer Asian American history, but Amy Shiyoshi has put this together in a, um, it was a pamphlet by the National Parks Department and so you can go there and you can get it on our script and we will also have some more suggestions to beef up your knowledge around Asian American history in our recommended resources at the end of the episode but for now let's get queer.
0: Like all aspects of queer history we cannot tell the story of LGBTQ plus people without telling the history of the wider populations. And similarly, similarly, we cannot tell America's history or any country's history without also telling queer stories. So Asian American queer history is no exception. And we begin with the early colonization of what became known as the United States throughout the galleon trade period of the late 1500s and into the Spanish colonial period of the 1700s. Filipinos arrived on American West on the American West Coast most came as crew members on spanish galleons uh, a type of ship that has become iconic for this era by 1763 a group of uh, manila men had settled just outside of the area later known as new orleans together these were the first asian americans known to have come to america it would be nearly a 100 years before the first major wave of asian immigration swept the young country known as the united states and it's really interesting to hear like you know 1500 1700s because in those time periods you only hear of like the colonial the uh, colonizers and you mm-hmm. don't think like like i don't know in that time period we're all taught like oh this is when the white people came but <laughs> it's never like mentioned that no these people were also coming and this group of people were also coming like
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it's called the age of exploration. And so we, because a lot of our history derives from the East Coast, what people forget is that Spanish colonizers were all along the the, the Western coast and especially the Southwest. Mm-hmm. So Arizona and New Mexico and those areas. And and they were bringing with them again. All of these groups were also bringing with them slaves. They were bringing with them indentured servants. Mm-hmm. They were bringing with them any people that they could find to man their crews. This Many was still people that they could harvest. Yeah, well, yeah, really. And and this was a this was a very terrifying voyage at this time period. So it was hard to find a lot of sailors that would go. And right. you so you're getting anyone you wanted. And so all those groups end up also establishing communities because some of them were banned from returning home or they didn't want to take the voyage home or they liked the adventure of a new place so again yeah you have you know spanish colonizers you have um asian individuals you have a lot of black individuals you've got people from all over europe that are coming and colonizing these parts of the world or this part of the united states it is important to note that the term asian american or aapi for asian american and pacific islander covers a wide swath of people including Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean, Filipino, Indian, Pacific Islander and many more. There are at least 50 ethnic groups in this category and America's deliberate exclusion, ignorance and lack of interest in understanding the di- and differentiating these populations has led to AAPI people banding together. Even though customs, cultures and histories can be radically different outside of the United States, here in America, many Pacific Am- Pacific Asian Americans are often lumped together. And part of this is due to the intermarrying of Asian couples from different ethnic backgrounds, as well as the interracial marriages that we see in US groups and all US groups and demographics. In this way, AAPI has come to represent a similar meaning as the term black. So when we think of black Americans, we're we're thinking of a group of people that are banded together by their their um, color of their skin, right. but their ethnicities and their histories are different.
0: Yeah, totally different. They could be you know um, Dominican or mm-hmm. anything, and they're yeah. all just lumped into the same group of people.
1: Well, even thinking like of the massive continent of Africa, and right. people like to think that like oh African, there's a, these are all different countries. So not just different states, they are countries mm-hmm. within this continent. They are and that the continent is the only thing that many of them have in common their, yeah. their customs can, and languages can be radically different and if
0: you look at anywhere in africa like you said like the cultures are mm-hmm. like they're they're more like you said they're countries they're not just states so it's not like oh i'm from indiana and this person's from california it's yeah like, this is an entirely different country different laws different beliefs different religions different politics different identities different everything yeah and then we're all like oh no that's just this you know that's just africa well it's the,
1: it's just, i mean it's funny again and it shows like how we look at um different uh race racial groups and we have a biased assumption because when we look at europe for the most part people can immediately see the different countries like you don't assume that an italian is the same as a french person or is the same as an english person right but then when we look at africa it's like oh yeah africa you know all at once (laughs) and same thing can be with asia i do think that there's sometimes there's some more distinction but not as much right and so the same way the AAPI community and we have seen uh, has been lumped together and we have seen relevant evidence of this during the height of the COVID-19 epidemic when Donald Trump's racist labeling of the Chinese virus prompted China virus China virus yes I think he also called it the Chinese oh, virus I'm sure he but the China it all virus anything things. about that But this prompted wide discrimination and harassment of AAPI populations of all backgrounds and groups. For much of the last 50 years, the AAPI community has turned their lumping into a tool of organization, protest, and progress.
0: I will say like seeing their protests in the street, it kind of like, I don't know, because I've seen a lot of things where Asian people talk and they're like, I've been invisible my entire life. Mm -hmm. And seeing them protesting on the streets, I'm like, damn, maybe I kind of have been like, not intentionally ignoring them but like i don't know they they just don't have an I like in the american culture they don't have an identity here
1: right well um erica lee who i s- could not recommend strongly enough she is a an asian historian an immigration historian and she writes about how asians and we, we'll talk about like a lot of the atrocities that asian americans face and asian immigrants face yeah. but she talks about like in the like 50s and 60s and t- on the tail end of world war Two, how there was this sudden change in uh, Asian people really trying to acclimate to American culture because they had been excluded for lo- so long, right. as we'll talk about. And then they start to be held up as a standard of, oh, that's what a good immigrant looks like, right. to kind of try to de- demean other immigrants. And so, in trying to keep up with this appearance, a lot of people did fade into the background because if they, Stepped forward, they would be harassed and discriminated against, and because they wanted to show that they were worthy it's to like, be in America. It's like the queer,
0: you know? Yeah. We're just the good white gays, and yeah, we wear we're ties just like you. and suits, and we we just you know want to go home and have our our little our, 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 our little,
1: little family of four. I say as I have a family of four, Literally. but yeah, but they're, they're like we're just like every we're domesticated just like everyone else, and that's true for some people. It's not true for all people, but th- so there was this pressure. Um, to conform, and and I think that part of that was a a big piece of the erasure. Mm. And as we will see, there was like literally deliberate times of erasure. Oh, absolutely. And and not even, yes, there was a lot of hate, but literally just being like, no, we're just going to exclude you all together. We're not Mm. even going to mess with y'all. Right. So go ahead.
0: (laughs) But in the early colonizing of America, the various groups were often kept in a distinct hierarchy, as we've talked many, many times about Um, This was especially true on the plantations of Hawaii and later on railroad construction sites of the West during the mid-1800s. Japanese Americans were considered the most desirable, reducing them as a prized possession to be owned by white businessmen. Filipino and Korean laborers were mid-tier, while Chinese workers were considered to be the dirtiest and laziest of... Uh, the dirtiest and laziest of the major ethnic groups that immigrated to America during this time. Which is crazy because when you think of China now, you're like, these people are mm-hmm. busting their asses all day long to pro- just to provide... It's shit for us, everything's made in China because they're expo- extorted and exploited, and it's this is, sad. My,
1: this is my look to tell you to keep reading.
0: <laughs> uh, while all of these perceptions of the hierarchy itself were formed and eroded by racism, it was also America's capitalist zeal that further fanned the flames of prejudice. The Japanese were considered America's trade partner while China was already emerging as a threat. By spreading bigotry and blatant lies about Chinese immigrants, American politicians and news editors could hope to keep these people in their place. Decades later, the country would flip the script when Japan became the enemy and China her ally. Suddenly, the Japanese were distrustful and greedy, and the Chinese were our friends. All of these were based on racist capitalist propaganda to move the masses. And you know what I've been hearing about lately? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if it's Joe Biden or somebody in the government. They're like... We have to keep China in its place and make Mm -hmm. sure we're the dominant one, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, motherfucker, we haven't been investing in research. We haven't been investing in anything. If they go ahead of us, it's nobody's fault but our own.
1: Well, that's, yeah. So, like,
0: don't try to put somebody else down. Put yourself up. Figure out a way to make our country better. Don't be like, oh, we have to control them. We can't, we have to make sure all these trade deals are great. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. how about you make it fucking better here so that people want to trade with us on a better basis? Like, yeah. Figure it out. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and, and so the, to, the reason I was telling you to read, keep reading, and going back to your point was that even back then, um, and I mean, we're talking about early 1800s, they're already seeing that China is becoming a threat. Mm-hmm. And so they decide that they're going to...
0: Let me um, tell you, China's been a lot, around a lot longer than the United States. They'll figure <laughs> exactly. out how to sustain. They've been around forever.
1: Yeah, they have thousands and thousands yeah, of and years. And we're like
0: 200 something years old. Do you think we're really going to compete unless we're really working on investing in research and shit? No, Right. We're so
1: people saw them as a the threat. And so they were like, well, you know, it's again, it's like, we're going to make you out to to say the opposite is true. To say that you're lazy, to say that you're dirty, to say that you're not trustworthy because that way we can justify the horrendous things that we do to you. Yep. So the reasons for coming to America, the um, Asian immigrants reasons for coming to America varied from group to group. Many individuals were recruited or lured by high wages promised in America. Most of them were lied to and did not understand that once they reached our shores, they would enter into a form of slavery known as indentured servitude. And they did. They Literally, American businesses would send out recruiters and they would just lie through their fucking ass to people, tell them all You're kinds gonna come of things. You're going to live
0: a life of luxury in the United States. We're going to take you. You're going to be mm-hmm. a free man. You're going to ex- experience... A world you've never even known
1: right it's a, exactly what army recruiters do to young 18 year olds when they talk about how you're gonna be stationed in Hawaii playing volleyball on the beach every week and yep. then that's not what the fuck happens nope. yeah so the recruiting has a long history of just lies, and it's not oh I'm shaping the truth no you're fucking lying mm-hmm. Um, so, um, by the laws of the land, indentured servants could earn their freedom. But many corrupt landowners found loopholes and ways around the system to keep AAPI laborers in their contracts much longer, if not indefinitely. Other workers continued to sign on for extended contracts because the pay was good or because they simply could not return home for one reason or another. So, the pay was better, but that was it. They were living in slums, mm-hmm. they were having to pay outrageous, extorted prices for the goods that they needed. Um, they were, they could be whipped, they could be imprisoned, but if they could get that paycheck, they could send it back home. And, and that was an incentive for some people. Mm -hmm. Some of the reasons were, uh, also simple, simply the inability to afford the transportation or the stamina to endure the grueling trip. Again, many could not return to violence or oppression in their country or particular ethnic groups or that their particular ethnic group was facing. And many queer Asians also found more safety on the shores of this buddy nation than they did in their empires back home.
0: Yep. Um, as early as the mid 1500s, China had enacted and enforced its first law against homosexuality during the Ming Dynasty. India wouldn't formally outlaw same sex relationships and queer expressions until 1861. Other nations, such as Japan, never outlawed homosexuality or transgender expression, but they did have large waves of homophobia, like the following around the like Ki- the
1: following is supposed to be the cult-like Yeah, following. the
0: Kaiken Keiken Code. In Ke- Jap-
1: the Kaiken Code? Something
0: like that in Japan. <laughs> Korea, Vietnam, and Cambodia have always regulated sexual, sexual activity by age and never gender. Um, most of these countries have a rich queer history that weaves throughout their art, religious texts, and folklore. Even if public perceptions in these areas have shifted today to an anti-queer stance, there is no country on earth that is devoid of LGBTQ plus history. However, perhaps it was the sudden influx of homophobia that began to sweep east during this time and the promises of a new world that prompted many queer men to flee their boats to America. Whatever their reasons, by the 1870s, California and Hawaii were already forming underground gay scenes. Imagine an underground gay scene in Hawaii. I bet that was lit.
1: Oh my god. It seemed it seemed like it was, like people would comment about how I mean cuz cuz Hawaii already was very queer right. in itself. And, and the, then you the have the culture and more the identity people.
0: of the, the island, like you said it's queer, mm-hmm. it, you're like you know, if you're, um, I don't think they use two-spirit, they didn't. MAHU, if you're like, you know, you got like all of these, like, I don't want to say luxury, that's not the right word, but you are accepted and you're like a, uh, you're a proud member of society. You're not, you know, hiding in the shadows, trying to creep along like you have to in America sometimes.
1: Right. And, and again, to just reiterate the point once again, that this idea of gender binary and gender roles and, and in that your sexual orientation roles, are all these Western Christian European ideals. This is not the reality for the rest of the world, even in China. China, it mean, again, China had been around for thousands of years before they enacted right. this. Yep. And it had been queer for those thousands of years. So, th- and so a lot of people who had, spit- who had grown up in these long, long traditions of queer expression, what we would consider queer expression, are suddenly having that stripped away. And so that, that's also an incentive of like, well, maybe I can go somewhere else. And maybe in this new right, world, yeah. we won't have these restrictions.
0: Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: That's what we do All right. so yet even aapi immigrants who would not consider themselves queer had a manner and understanding around sexuality that American that the American cowboy simply could not understand or at least pretended to refuse to understand that's we so all back mountain. that's exactly we all know what the cowboys were doing. Asian men were softer and often performed tasks that American men had deemed only suited for women. Some of this was cultural, some of this was out of desperation. As Chinese hate began to rise on the West Coast around 1870, more and more Chinese and other Asian immigrants found themselves out of work. Forced to go into business for themselves in order to survive, many started restaurants and laundry services for income. As popular as these new industries were, several towns organized mass removals of Chinese and later Korean, Japanese, and other AAPI communities, often kicking hundreds of families out into the desert and leaving them to die. There were also riots, lynchings, and large-scale acts of violence, including the 1875 Rock Springs Massacre, when white miners killed at least 30 Chinese laborers on the claim that they, the Chinese, had stole the white miners' jobs.
0: So this fucking lie of these jobs being stolen has gone back hundreds of (laughs) years.
1: Way back. Way back. Of people being like, they
0: took our jobs. That's cool. Because all of you wanted to be miners, right? Right. You were all willing to go out there and bust your ass mining, right? Right.
1: Well, and then also it is like, so the Chinese would work for reduced pay because they, they were, there were already a, a bunch of laws that they were either, out
0: of their fucking country and they had all of these laws around them. They had nothing else.
1: Right. Well, there were laws that either forbid them from working or there were entire uh, communities that would band together and they would just make a, a gentleman's agreement or whatever they would call it, not to hire Chinese people. Mm-hmm. And then later also, you know, Korean and Japanese, but the Chinese were the first, uh, large group that was here. Right. And so. And so then these business owners they would then go back around in the, in the background and say, hey, I'll, I'll let you work for me, but you got to work for a reduced wage. So then the Chinese have no choice and like, okay, we'll work for you.
0: We're either going to work for you or we're going to live in the desert with no exactly. house, no money, no shelter, nothing.
1: So then the, the capitalist business owner...
0: Really, it,
1: yeah, he, well, he cuts loose the white guys that are demanding uh, a fair pay and he hires the Chinese people. And then the white guys get mad at the Chinese because it must be their fault, not the fucking capitalist prick. Literally the that same story today.
0: It's literally the exact <laughs> same story today. Exactly.
1: And so then they decide to target, you know, and so they remove entire families into the desert and let them starve and, and die of thirst. So again, uh, uh, but not at no point do we ever think, wow, should we elect politicians that would change this and, and get rid of capitalism is capitalism not working for us? No, I think it's a lot better for us to kill 30 people. It makes makes a lot more sense. Don't you think? Absolutely. So by 1882 Congress had passed the Chinese Exclusion Act which made the Chinese the first group of illegal immigrants in the United States. This was the first group that was actually banned from immigrating to the US. And by 1887, legal Chinese immigration had dwindled from more than 39,000 people to just 10 individuals.
0: Jesus. Oppression and hostility towards Asian uh, oppression and hostility to Asian immigrants and Asian Americans mounted in the West. In 1890, the San Francisco police arrested several Chinese men on charges that they were dressed as women and recruiting sex workers. Sex work was another common form of work for Asian immigrants and has long been a standard for queer populations as a whole. Those forced out of traditional employment because of their race, ethnicity, or identity often had no other choice but sex work in order to pay the bills. Asian male prostitutes dressed in women's clothing were a common favorite in some areas. Yet while cross-dressing laws were rarely enforced for white, hetero-presenting males, queer people of color had these laws used arbitrarily against them. In fact, it was a combination of queer panic and racism that enacted these laws to begin with. And that spread the flames of bigotry, as we always see. Claims of oriental depravity were almost always attached to those defying Western gender roles and American standards of sexuality. Once again, the the immigrant and LGBTQ plus populations were accused of attacking America's quote unquote moral code and therefore any violence against them was warranted. And it's just like, uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like, well, everything that the Nazis did to the Jews was legal. Mm, so here yeah. you see the same thing. Well, it's legal. We're, we're not doing anything wrong. That's what the law says.
1: Right, well, that's what we did to Black Americans. Is what we do to Latinx Americans. Mm-hmm. what we, <laughs> any group, any group, right? We're like, it's not me. It's law.
0: Right. Literally. <laughs> well, I don't know what you want me to do. The law says that this is what it says. And I, as a good American citizen, like this, this, what do you want?
1: Yeah. I also want to clarify. We said in there the words "oriental depravity." That was a direct quote taken from both a- Amy Sioshi and from Erica Lee. Um, and it was quoting another individual and in a common phrase of that time, um, it is not appropriate to use the word Oriental describe AAPI people. I literally heard someone use that word maybe like two or three weeks ago. Oh my God. So, um, if it's 2021, that's an offensive term, but, um, they both used it to, you know, to say that was there there was another offensive terminology that I'm not going to use that was also used to describe this time period. But, um, so that's why that, that term was in there. I just want to clarify that. So how however there were still strong circles of Asian bachelors and communities, communities continued to grow despite the obstacles. Amy Siyoshi added this statement in her essay pulled from the Asia Journal 29. Chinese immigrants accustomed to homo social spaces in their homeland may have actively enjoyed all male spaces and forged meaningful same-sex relationships as they gathered for Mehang and Mahjong. benevolent Mahjong, thank you mahjong and benevolent association events at bachelors in america without the imposition of a western lens that assumes heterosociality as the ideal men from china steeped in a tradition of same-sex social interaction may not have been as deprived as more intent as more insistently heteronormative histories have declared so again this goes back to this point of people like to Well, first of all people like to whitewash and straightwash everything and act like nobody was actually having relationships but it sounds there were definitely thriving communities in america even with all the oppression Mm -hmm. and then it was just part of the culture you just it it didn't even make that mean that you were gay or straight it was just part of being a chinese individual that men had would have intimate same-sex relationships with other men and then they might you know meet a woman and get married and they would settle down That was just how it was. So it's, uh, they're just making the point that it's very likely. And there's definitely evidence. I
0: genuinely think that almost every person is at least sexually (laughs) fluid in some way. It's just, it's not possible. Well, whether they've experienced or not, though, that's but very But you different. still have desires. It's not possible.
1: Okay, okay, Alfred Kinsey.
0: It's not possible. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Listen, I have been to countless straight bl- clubs with, mm-hmm. like, David and drag and things. I see the way the straight men look.
1: But David looks good in drag. He, that's what I'm... But, like,
0: <laughs> they know it's a man, like, mm-hmm. and I can see them, like, like it is not... It's not real. Okay. It's not real.
1: Well, I, I mean, the boundaries that we have in Western culture aren't real they're all completely drawn up that's and what I
0: mean anyways go ahead these groups of bachelors going back to our script managed to find each other the same way queer people have always done uh so throughout the centuries Kosen Takahashi the Japanese illustrator for the newspaper Shinsekai I'm I think it's so sh- sorry I think it's if a- I'm Shinsake. okay I'm so sorry be- if I'm butchering these I'm really trying <laughs> I can't pronounce English words so I'm doing my best um had an affair with Japanese poet Yon Naguchi that I don't feel like that's right.
1: Yonagushi, Nago,
0: Naguchai, something. Um, who was Yon Okay, who had been connected to author Charles Warren Stoddard? There you go, you got that one. Nailed yep. it. <laughs> Taka- <laughs> Takahashi referred to himself as the utmost queer Nipponese. Nipponese and uh, once organized a group of other queer Asian men to pay respect to poet Joel, Joel Joaquin C- Miller. Okay.
1: <laughs> wow, I I should have just read this one. You should have. You know what?
0: Um, white elites uh, such as Miller and Stop, Stoddard provided safe spaces for gay AAPI men and other queer men of color to gather and meet others like them. Though these, men, though these groups were not devoid of racism, and Miller certainly seemed to have a fetish for Asian men rather than mutual respect, they were still a relief in a world where discrimination and harassment continued to climb. Charles Stoddard's uh, Bohemian Club in San Francisco had continued as a haven since 1872 and will celebrate its 150th anniversary next year. That's incredible. Yeah. It w- it's it was so well known and popular that just before its centennial anniversary, President Richard Nixon referred to it as the most faggy goddamn thing you could ever imagine with that san francisco crowd i want to go there now
1: i know i might be the oldest club i didn't look into it enough it might be the oldest gay club that is out there i don't know if he started it as a gay club but it was very quickly uh just was adopted gay and bisexual so a, a queer men's club is what it was um and and so like going back so it was a complicated it's a complicated relationship between some of these white authors like even Oscar Wilde mm-hmm. and and they they would like so people like Miller um, like Joaquin Miller it would or Joaquin Miller I, I feel like it's Joaquin but you know what I shouldn't guess people like Miller would fetish fetishized
0: mm-hmm.
1: Asian men and
0: it but, still happens to this day. It,
1: oh, it still happens. We still we still see that all the time. So that's not a, that's not an excuse, but there also wasn't a lot of places to go. And so and there definitely weren't a lot of places to go in mainstream culture and right. society. So being able to get into the Bohemian club was a really big deal. And people like Miller and like Stoddard made way for that, but sometimes they require I exploited to they advantage. they definitely exploited. It's kinda like, um, what's his name? What's that Alain Locke who you know he had he had opened doors and he would help a lot of black artists but then he also exploited them there was his fee, you know he, he, he sexually exploited and sexually sexually harassed these individuals. To get his feet and we find that again and we've talked about that it's become seems to be a standard in some gay male circle gay male yeah, circles they abuse their power yeah they abuse Billie their power billy
0: dropped a song about that it's called your power it's actually oh, really they, good yeah is
1: that what it, i haven't listened to it of course because <laughs> I, I try not to listen to billy eilish which i'm not this isn't just my own personal thing i have no like moral stance against billy eilish i just don't like her music. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well,
0: um, just so you know Evan uh, Billie Eilish is the most listened to artist by our fa- patron- yes. by our listeners so.
1: I know and you know what and I think I'm happy for you all I really am good for you you know what who I do love right now is Olivia Rodrigo
0: who is that well you
1: know what see that's what that's our problem I, <laughs> if you love I, you would like Olivia Rodrigo I think you would at least like one or two of her songs
0: I'll check her out after she's
1: got a, a new album called Sour Out that you should check out anyways let's get back to the script in 1917, another law would pass that directly impacted both AAPI and LGBTQ immigrants. The Immigration Act of 1917 banned people considered mentally defective.
0: Well, damn it, I couldn't have came. You're right. Uh, I, they really would have been like, do not let him in the country. <laughs> Is he
1: gay? Does he also have a mental illness? It's, Absolutely And he's not.
0: also a socialist, and he wants to <laughs> end capitalism. Do not let him in the country. Oh God.
1: He, and he's engaged to Puerto Rican? I don't think yeah, so. I'm like the anti Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, who were considered mentally defective or had a constitutional psychopathic inferiority. You gotta love the terms That they used to use To describe us
0: So basically You're not a straight White Christian man So you have some constant Constitutional Psychopathic inferiority I'm gonna put
1: that In my bio
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not only was this Applied to people With disabilities But it was also Used specifically To ban LGBTQ plus people From immigrating To the United States The same language Would be continued In the 1952 Immigration and Nationality Act And the ban On queer immigrants Would remain in place Until 1993 you That's crazy. C- you could not immigrate to America. And then, and they, and they eventually got very clear like LGBTQ. And oh, you I'm could sure. not, you could not immigrate to America if you were queer until 1993. During this time, in 1993, a new HIV ban was put in place, which excluded many people, but gay men in particular were targeted. This ban would not be repealed until 2010. As for Asian immigrants as a whole, the 1970 ban, 1917 ban included the Asiatic barred zone act which excluded immigration from much of the asian and pacific regions
0: and it's crazy to think that there's literally like bans up until 2010 like it's 2021 now that's 11 years ago yeah following (laughs) harsh criticism and backlash politicians became more shrewd and cruel over the decades laws had been put in place that slowly stripped away the rights of many aapi communities Chinese-Americans and later Korean-Americans were denied citizenship and then denied the right to own land or hold certain positions within the community. There were already laws against uh, Miscegenation. miscegenation, interracial marriage, and many local restrictions in place. By 1924, AAPI immigrants had officially been and completely reduced to second-class citizens in the United States. This came just in time for the Exclusion Act of 1924, formerly known as the Immigration Act of 1924, which barred all aliens ineligible for citizenship. This officially banned any Asian or Pacific Island immigrant except for Filipinos, as they were considered American nationals until 1934.
1: So they they really did, I mean, a brilliant job of about... Really, if you want to go back 20 years, but a solid 10 years of politicians laying the groundwork, the groundwork which stripped away a person's rights. Like, you, the all these things uh, don't make you eligible to become a citizen.
0: That's why I always, like certain things that happened during the trump presidency or like certain small bills that are passed mm-hmm. P- david would i don't mean to make, like make him sound not like not knowing what was going on but he would be like it's not that big of a deal i'm like you don't understand this is how the handmaid's tale happens it's like yeah. a domino effect you know it's a one little chip at a time one little thing here one state passes this one mm-hmm. state pass. it's a small thing But like you said you see over the 10 years the 20 years it's it's a construction it's like putting up a building you know you start with the foundation and then you just chip away a little at a time a little at a time and then suddenly you have this complete package that completely eliminates and alienates this group of people Mm -hmm. and it happens over time it's not something that happens one bill you know it's one bill at a time
1: well what people like i mean people that understand the american legal system and other and other legal systems understand that very well like when we look at the gay marriage fight as soon as sodomy laws began to fall in the late 1960s into the 70s states began to implement marriage bans yeah and those 30 then those 30 years of marriage bans slowly built up to the doma act of was in 1996 so you had 30 years of groundwork before you got to that and then that act itself took almost 20 years to repeal exactly, so that's why it matters. If we put the, all that together. That is 50 years of people laying the groundwork to finally ha- have to force people like Jim Obergefell to go to um, the Supreme Court and have his marriage that had already, you know, his marriage rec- legally recognized. That's yep. why those things matter. Yep. It was in the midst of the rampant anti-Asian propaganda that swept the country that one queer doctor was making quite a stir. Margaret Chung. Uh, which I spelled Margaret, Margaret Chung graduated from the University of California Medical School in 1916 and became the first Chinese American-born physician in the United States. Chung interned in Chicago, Illinois before rising through the ranks to become a state criminologist. In 1922, she resigned from her post and returned home to Los Angeles, California, and eventually established the first Western Hospital, that's what they call it, it's kind of a modern hospital, in San Francisco's Chinatown, and treated a wide variety of clients, including the local Asian residents, Navy servicemen from the nearby port, and Hollywood celebrities such as Mary Pickford and Helen Hayes along the way margaret earned a reputation as an excellent surgeon and the nickname mom chung from the servicemen she not only treated but also took under her wing during thanksgiving and christmas chung would partner with actress sophie tucker to provide a large meal and as many as four thousand individually wrapped gifts for soldiers in the area
0: that's incredible yeah but another reputation that followed margaret was tied to her expression and sexuality in her early college years and residency, Margaret sported men's clothing and eventually went by the name, the nickname Mike. This could have been due to a desire to play with gender boundaries, but it's also likely that she felt compelled to adopt such a masculine persona due to the fact that she was one of the only women and Asians in medical school. There is also the fashion of the time period to consider. Many women were pushing gender norms and fashion during the decades between 1920 and 40, 1940, including Gla- Gladys Bentley and Mar- Marlene Dietrich. Dietrich. Um, it wouldn't be until the pansy craze of the late 1930s that eventually grew into the lavender scare of the 40s and 50s that these fashion trends died down. By the time World War II approached, Margaret had reverted to traditional women's clothing. I can doing... see that, though. If, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, um, I could see that if you know, you're in medical school, you're literally like one of probably mm-hmm. five women and probably the only Asian. Like <laughs> what else are you going to do? You have to fit in. You have to do something to ma- to try to appease everybody around you.
1: Well, yeah. And then just to gain respect, exactly, and no, that's what like I mean. notice. Yeah, exactly. Like y- you have to do that in order for someone to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. Are we doing a break? Are I you... think let's just run okay, it through. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense and I don't know why she ever changed her clothing it could have like we said we don't know if she did it especially when you're in your
0: college days you experiment you try shit out you know
1: exactly exactly so and there were a lot of things but it wasn't only Margaret's clothing that was under speculation. Her passionate relationships with women and the lack of real commitment to any men fanned these flames of suspicion. It is likely that Chung did at least have an affair with author Elsa Gidlow, who openly courted the doctor. It is also very likely that Chung and Sophie Tucker had an on and off romance throughout their long standing friendship. Whatever the true nation of uh, Whatever the true nature of her orientation, the rumors of lesbianism would follow Margaret throughout her life and deny her opportunities, opening her up to more harassment and discrimination. This would become especially true during the high swing of anti-Asian sentiment that arose during World War II. On December 7th,
0: 1941, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Within hours, any Japanese-American male seen as a leader in their community was rounded up and detained. A few were charged with treachery or other crimes, but most were simply kept in detention facilities for the duration of the war. Two months after the attack, Roosevelt passed Executive Order 9066, which eventually resulted in the Japanese internment concentration camps of 1943. More than 120,000 Japanese Americans were removed and forced into these camps, including queermen such as uh, Jiro Anuma who deliberately packed his patriotic issues of male physique magazine strength, strength and help to keep him company. I would have done the same thing, except mine probably would have been like underwear. Well, they didn't well, have it, was, it was
1: the Victory magazine, so it was like, you know, strong yeah, male I patriots. These, <laughs> I just need these chiseled
0: men in their underwear. You I, know, be, like just, I just want my muscles to look like that, that's all. I want to be inspired to love America. Yeah naturally scores if not hundreds of queer japanese japanese americans were locked up in internet internment camps along with their communities in our episode on george takei takei, takei i did that the whole episode i know too. right and the episode of george takei we discussed his time in the camps and go more in detail about the camps themselves and you it's really interesting to think about because these were american citizens who lived here and wanted to thrive in our country mm-hmm. and the company the company the country that like like these people were a lot of them were born here like they weren't even ever from japan and they were just rounded up simply because mm-hmm. another country attacked their country like they're also right. americans like
1: and they're never charged with a crime,
0: right? They're, they're never just nothing taken away, locked up, and they're like, "We'll get back to you whenever we decide if, right? if you're worth keeping or not."
1: Oh, and then they show up in like late 1943, and they they tell all the men that they need to sign up for the draft, and yep. the men are like, "Um, you literally lock we're them. locked in here. I don't, I don't think we should sign up for the draft." And they're
0: like, "Well, if you're not going to sign up for the draft,
1: then we're going to mark you down as a draft dodger." Or whatever term they were using as, you know, whatever term they use. But it was just... You- Look,
0: if I ever get drafted, I'm overthrowing America. <laughs> I'm just going to... Don't ever draft me because you you do not want to start a revolution within your ranks. Because I <laughs> will be mad as fuck. And I am not going down fighting for you motherfuckers. I'll tell you that. There you go. I'll but, have my own platoon.
1: <laughs> no, but you should go back and listen to the episode on George Takei. Because we talked very in depth about the internment camps. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of things that happened there. So as Japanese Americans were rounded up like cattle, Chinese, Indian, Korean, and other AAPI people faced increased scrutiny and harassment. Despite the obstacles, Margaret Chung continued her work with sailors and other soldiers, eventually establishing a network of thousands of soldiers stationed across the country and overseas. She also worked tirelessly to raise funds for WAC, the Women's Army Corps, and later was the driving force behind the origins of WAVES, the women's accepted for voluntary emergency services. This branch of reserves would later play a crucial role in the integration of women into the armed forces. However, when Chung applied for herself in 1942, she was denied entry due to the rumors around her sexuality. The following year, Chung was also banned from the Professional Women's Club of San Francisco because of her sexual orientation.
0: As World War II came to an end, the government grappled to suppress stories of their poor and cruel treatment of the Japanese during the war. In 1952, the McCarran-Walter Act ended exclusion of Asians of Asian naturalization in the United States. Now, Asian immigrants could no could apply for legal status and eventually citizenship. They could.
1: They could, yeah. So this this was the first time. We're 1952. So from 1872 to 1952, you basically an entire
0: generation. Yeah, and a you half.
1: couldn't you couldn't really be uh, American citizen, and now finally they begin to they begin to repeal that.
0: Mm-hmm. It also reinstated some of the of the rights previously stripped away from AAPI individuals. The 1950s and 60s saw an uprise in many communities organizing and coming together, including AAPI individuals and LGBTQ populations. Rose Bamberg was a Filipina who helped Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon from, form the first chapter of the Daughters of Belitis, the first lesbian organization in the United States over the next few decades. Oh, nope. Over the next few decades, <laughs> countless AAPI, AAPI people joined the civil rights movement, women's rights movements, and the budding LGBTQ movements. Evan wrote like an entire paragraph is one sentence. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but many found themselves still excluded, undervalued, and largely ignored or overlooked within these spaces. Yet agitators such as Daniel Singh, Helen Zia, Crystal Zhang, and many Asian Pacific Islander Americans... Uh, continued forward
1: so there was a lot of I mean we know the 60s and 70s there's so much happening
0: I feel so 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 poorly for all of the people who had to fight for that but I also wish I could take a time machine back for like a day or two just to experience it we're there
1: we are I feel like we are uh, like on the brink of we would if I was gonna put us in in context of that, I would say we're like 1963, maybe oh, before shit years. really hits the fan. Mm-hmm. That's that's my personal opinion. So, but I get what you're saying. Like there was so much happening, mm-hmm. it was so much agitation, and Asian Americans were part of all of it. They yep. were in everything, but they're still just completely ignored right like if you're talking about the civil rights movement you're only talking about the big black leaders if you're talking about the lgbtq movement you're only talking about the white big white guys yeah like you're not talking like asian americans were part of all of this and it's still just like yeah yeah yeah. thanks for coming guys but you're yep. not fully part of it right on the streets outside of the compton cafeteria tomorrow ching helped fight back against the police as protesters threw cups saucers and civil war at cops and later burned a newsstand outside of the restaurant Just one year before, the United States had fully repealed their ban on Asian immigrants and passed the Equality Act, which granted Asian Americans equal status in the United States. Of course, the battle for recognition was only truly beginning, especially for LGBTQ members of the AAPI community. Amy Shioshi writes, Clearly, queers among Asian Americans existed in early Asian American history. As they sought out same-sex intimacies, they too contributed to the changing face and social dynamic of America. A number of them more specifically shaped American modernism, the U.S. military, and Hollywood. Nearly all interacted with whites in unexpectedly intimate ways. They have also only recently appeared as queer or possibly queer due to the work of largely lgbtq scholars attuned to forging a history relevant to their own lives while many may perceive asians in america as closeted in their earlier part of apa history historians who privileged heterosexuality and whiteness more likely rendered them irrelevant and therefore invisible in america's past
0: yeah and that's what it is the invisibility invisibility yes kitty suey suey's kitty sue's kitty sue's kitty sue's 1983 book The words of a woman who breathes fire was an inspiration for many queer American Asian women, including Catherine Hall and Che Villanova, Villanova, who formed the Asian lesbians of the East Coast um, that same year. Just a few years earlier on the West Coast, the Asian Pacific lesbians and gays had uh, been formed in Los Angeles. Throughout the 80s and 90s, queer Asians continued to organize and claim spaces in the involving in the evolving world of the LGBTQ movement. Today, there are scores of organizations across the country um, dedicated to help queer AAPI individuals, but with as much progress as we have made, we still see the need for more representation and support. The recent Atlanta spa murders and the high spike in anti-Asian sentiment show more than ever that our queer Asian and Pacific Island siblings need us to show up.
1: And your recommended resources for today are, of course, Breathing Fire by Amy Shoshi, which is available on our published script. We also recommend The Making of Asian America by Erica Lee. She also has her book America for Americans, which is about immigration as a whole and the xenophobia around outside groups in America. And there is also the book Dr. Mom Chung of the Fair Hair Bastards by Judy Zhushun Wu. And so you can check all those out with our published script and yeah, I hope, I hope it's been good and we do apologize for the names that we mispronounced, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. We will, um, be happy to, you know, talk about that, not next week's episode, but the following week when we record. And we always
0: also, uh, any criticism or anything that you might not think like we covered properly or we didn't fully go into as much as we could have, let us know. We always address it and we love to kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, share as much knowledge as possible. Yes. With that, stay queer. Don't get lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers.
1: And our little succulent sapphists.
0: Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats.
1: And have yourself a sodomy circus.
0: Or don't. And Black Black Lives Lives Matter. Matter.
1: Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story.
0: Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory.
1: And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.